Well, Pac-12 Media Day is here in Las Vegas. Now, I am not there, but I do have some thoughts on what George Klyovkov should be saying today. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights-free and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. We'll be talking about the fact today that there's no media deal, and there's no media deal expected, but there have been some rumblings along that front. George Klyovkov, Pac-12 media preseason poll, and some potential future expansion candidates as well. But if I were George Klyovkov, let's say I had uh, the powers of mystique from the X-Men movies, or Raven, depending on which uh, timeline of films you are watching there, and I could transform into somebody and take his place, and I were going to the podium. Number one, I would be thinking, boy, this is going to be just jolly good fun. I can't wait for today. Now, maybe he is actually excited. Maybe he is, you know, really optimistic about where the media rights stuff is at. Maybe he is actually excited to try and talk about football, answer questions, and all that sort of stuff. Maybe he is. I have a feeling he is aware of what is going to be presented to him today. And that is just nonstop questions like, you know, hurling uh, tomatoes at, at someone who you're trying to like embarrass if this is, you know, the seventh century or, or whatever, you know, those, those tomatoes are just going to keep getting thrown. Just boom, 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 boom. Just all, just all over the place. And it's going to be about the media deal. Now, if I'm George Klyovkov, I do not overthink the room here. I keep it very simple. I keep it as positive as I can. I keep it truthful and honest as well. I would not try and have some grand elaborate scheme. Now, if he wants to come out and just like drop the media deal when no one is expecting it, that would be kind of cool. I don't expect that to happen though, nor does anybody else. So let's say that isn't happening. I don't expect, nor do I think he should come out and say anything bombastic. I don't think he should be firing shots. You know, last year he was kind of having this back and forth publicly with Brett Yormark and the Big 12 because all the realignment stuff was fresh and new. And now it's just kind of seeped into our brains. You know, like when you pour water into the carpet, like it's on top for a moment, but then it just kind of sits down. That's where we're at. We're in the latter stages of the water unto the carpet analogy, a staple in sports talk radio as far, as far as I'm concerned, and podcasting, because that's what this is, of course. But anyway, so I, I would go out there if I were George Klyovkov, and I'd say, I know you all want to know about our media rights situation. I didn't write out exactly what I'd say, but something along the lines of, I know you all want to know. We're working on a deal. We have been working on a deal for a long time. We are appreciative that the members of our conference have been patient. We want to have the best deal possible. And we are taking our time on that front. And we believe our members will be rewarded. We believe they will be content with a deal and that the 10 members who have verbally committed to a grant of rights will stay with, right? You're kind of getting bored listening to me say that. And that's what George Klyovkov should do. Because if you, if you try to thread the needle, 
If you try to thread the needle, I think there's just a greater chance that you're going to miss than you're going to have a hit. And I've talked extensively here on the show how I feel like it's been a mistake for the Pac-12 to just not wade into the waters in you know the public narrative surrounding their conference, save for a few sporadic comments from presidents and athletic directors over the last several months. I don't think that's done good things for the conference. I think it's actually done some harm to the conference. In a world in college sports where perception matters far more than it does at the professional level, the perception of the conference has taken a hit. Now, it's not the sort of catastrophic blow that USC and UCLA announcing they were leaving was, but it's still something that if I had to advise them, I'd say, no, nah, I, I, I wouldn't have done that. I understand it's annoying. It's frustrating. You're trying to deal with you know, a media world with plenty of misinformation and people just kind of saying stuff and making it up and whatnot. That's the world you live in, though. And you have to try and operate within that framework as best you can. I don't feel that they have done that. But if you're George Glyovkov, if you try to come out and all of a sudden respond to all of that stuff at one time and the perception around your conference and everything, if you try to, you know, take on too much, if you're trying to, you know, flip the narrative around your conference in one press conference, that's going to feel like trying to plug a fire hose with a pebble, right? There's just, there's too much to do that you could solve it in, you know, one speech or one question and answer session. I would keep it upbeat. I would keep it positive. I would keep it standard. And I'd say, this is where we're at. We're confident. And and here's the biggest thing. Here is the biggest piece of advice. Because this has been one of the missteps that the Pac-12 has made over the last several months. Don't give a deadline. Don't give a deadline. The deadline, the deadlines or general ones, whatever you want to call them, those have been the worst thing for the conference over the last six months or so. We're going to be done in a few weeks. End of March. Middle of June. End of June. I don't want to hear any of those sorts of comments. As a Pac-12 fan, I don't want to hear that. And if someone asks you about it, say you don't have a date. We don't have a specific date. And if someone says, well, do you expect to get it done before the season? Yeah, that is, that is our goal. Don't commit to anything hard because clearly this deal is taking longer to figure out than people are expecting and then even, then even some Pac-12 people, presidents and athletic directors were expecting. Remember back in March, I had a couple shows, one in particular I recall, in which I said, hey, it looks like this deal is coming soon. I don't know why else you would give a hard deadline the way that Pac-12 people were doing at the time. And then when they miss that, that just continues to add fuel to the fire. And look, the the fuel of hating on the Pac-12 and ripping it and saying it's terrible, no good, very bad, mark for death, everything like that, that's standard operating procedure at this point. But you don't want to pour gasoline on the fire by saying, yeah, we're going to have a debt, we're going to have a deal by July 27th, six days from now, you know, next, that'd be what, next Thursday, something like that. And then Thursday rolls around and you don't have it. It's, it's not going to be, I think, if, if George Klyavkov does what I'd advise him to do, it's not going to be flashy, it's not going to be sexy, it's not going to be eye-popping. What he says, this is going to be the first time we'll have seen him speak in many, many months. And I don't think he should come out and try to blow the doors off everybody unless you have a deal. 
unless you have a deal to report, I don't see the upside in doing that. I think there is there's only only downside there. And and the other thing that uh, that that he should do, frankly, is kind of lean into the narrative that's played out over the last couple of days, which is there are reports that more linear partners or more partners have come to the table who haven't been there in a long time. Look, George Klyovkov knows better than you or I how legit those reports and rumors are. But if they are real, and if there are people at the table who haven't been there in a long time, you don't have to name them. Media entities probably don't want you to. But there's no reason you can't lean into that and say, the reports you've seen over the last couple of days are reflective of the conversations that we have been having as as a group, as a unit. And that's that we have interested parties, we're working to craft the best deal possible, and we're optimistic about what we're going to be able to land. That's it. Easy. Done. Signed, sealed, delivered. That's what I expect him to do. Now, there is something else with regards to uh, the media rights stuff. Two things, actually, that I find notable. One of them is that some of you haven't gone and checked out eBay Motors yet. Because if you're trying to build a championship team... It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every single part, whether it's shocks, whether it, I've had a lot of work done on my car over the years. Every part's got to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. Timing, I've had a lot of things replaced in my car over the years. If that stuff didn't fit right, guess what? I'd have a problem, but eBay Motors makes sure that isn't the case. Just go on there, add your ride to my garage, and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay. As always, I've completed a refreshing, revitalizing, invigorating second segment set. Two other things on the media deal here to wrap this discussion up is if you're George Klyovkov, and you're going out there and you know you're going to answer questions about the media deal or people are going to ask them, don't dodge them. Because throughout these many, many months, the Pac-12 has not really been forthcoming with a plethora of information. George Klyovkov hasn't spoken on the record in months I think it was like February's last. I don't even remember. It's been that long. We've gone through so many news cycles since then. So you shouldn't dodge those questions because that's how you get a bad look. If someone comes to you and says, what can you tell us about the latest on the media rights talks? We're working on it. No, it can't, it, it can't be anything short. It can't be anything brief. It can't be anything dismissive. You can't overlook it. Don't dodge it. Take the question and, like I said, play into the narrative. Because the narrative over the last 48 hours has actually been positive. Which is, we have people coming back to the table here that are interested in buying our media rights, in bidding on our conference, and we are working to sort that out to craft the best deal possible. Lean into that sort of stuff. That's what I would do. You're looking for positivity here. Simple, positive. Those should be the words 
that George Klyovkov repeats in his head. Now, the latest that we've been hearing on the deal with regards to that positivity, this has been reported several places, is that it is not going to be an all-streaming deal. <laughs> Remember when people thought that was going to be a thing? Yeah, fun times. It's not going to be an all-streaming deal. At least that's the expectation right now, that there's one or more linear partners. There will be a streaming component. I've heard a lot more buzz about Apple over the last several months than Amazon. I would prefer Amazon, but I'm not entirely opposed to Apple. I have both. I just think Amazon gives you a larger subscriber base to deal with. But Apple's also getting into the sports world in a pretty significant way. And if the money's right, then that can be worth it. One or more linear partners, a streaming component. And the thing that's even more noteworthy than that, frankly, because that's kind of what I've expected the entire time, is I think it'll be ESPN, Apple, and maybe somebody else. You know, maybe the CW snags a few games. Maybe my dream, Ion. Uh, Ion is my dream. Uh, <laughs> snags a few games. Maybe it's some other cable partner we aren't talking about. You know, CBS could have a slot potentially. I don't know. Right, I, I I don't know what that's going to look like, but if it's one or more linear partners and a streaming component, then that's a pretty standard deal for for the pack because the Pac-12 network has essentially been streaming, not entirely, but like basically because not everybody can see it and such. So over the last you know decade or so, twelve, however many years it's been, it's been ESPN or the Pac or Fox or the Pac-12 network. So if you had ESPN, another cable partner. And Apple, that's just not that different of a deal. And then we'd see what the dollar figures are. But that, that that's that's what I wanted to touch on here. There have been a number of quotes from, from Pac-12 sources. Nobody's gone on record saying this yet. But credible people have reported these quotes that being in the ballpark of or getting past the Big 12 is an expectation and such. But I, I keep seeing the ACC popping up more lately. I have no idea exactly what's well, I've half an idea of what to make of that. But not but not definitively. I see the ACC popping up more over the last couple of weeks in the context of where do you expect the Pac-12 media deal to be? Yeah, in the ballpark of the Big 12 and the ACC. I've seen that on more than one occasion as a quote given to a reporter and I think, "Wow, it was all about the Big 12 from January to June." Now, all of a sudden, the ACC is coming into the fold. Now, the Big 12's average per school media rights payout under its next deal is $31.6 million. The ACC's average over its current deal is $36 million. If the Pac-12 were to land inside that range, I think that would be a win. If it landed in the ballpark of the Big 12, but just below at, say, $30 or $29 million, I think that's fine. If you surprise everyone, including myself, and get past the ACC, George Klyovkov would deserve a lot of, a lot of, a lot of credit because I don't think anybody's really expecting that. I just find it noteworthy that I keep seeing the ACC pop up, and I'm like, didn't, didn't really get the sense. You know, uh, media people have speculated about where the deal is going to be per school, and it's always fallen in like the, you know, 27 to 33 range. Per, you know, on a per school payout basis. Suddenly the ACC is getting tossed out there. I, I, I just think it's noteworthy. That's all. Just keep your eye on it. We'll see what happens. But I very much think those three conferences are going to be aligned on several fronts uh, going forward. So let's get to the football part of today's show. The Pac-12 preseason media poll, of which I was not a voting member. Very, very hurtful, by the way. 
I mean, you know, I'm not there, so they should have just known. They should have just known, obviously. George Klyovkov and everybody in the Pac-12 should be watching and listening to the show. Uh, I thank all of you for doing that, by the way. But no surprise, the preseason number one team, according to the media, is USC. That's who I would have voted for. They received 25 of 36 first place votes. Now, what happens after that is interesting and telling about what the season is actually going to look like, I think. So the preseason media poll goes as follows. First, USC. Second, Washington. Third, Utah, the two-time defending champs. Fourth, Oregon. Fifth, Oregon State. Sixth, UCLA. Seventh, Washington State. Eighth, Arizona. Ninth, Cal. Tenth, Arizona State. Eleventh, Colorado. And twelfth, Stanford. Now, I agree with USC at the top. I agree with Stanford at the bottom. I could flip Colorado and Arizona State, perhaps. I could flip Cal and Arizona, perhaps. I could flip Washington State and UCLA, perhaps. But I think the top five are correct in that they are the top five. I think USC should be one. I think Oregon State should be five. But the middle three there are what I find to be most compelling and I think will drive a lot of the excitement this season. So Oregon, Utah, and Washington, all play, and Oregon State, by the way, at fifth, all play each other. And we're, you, you know, I, I remember last year the whole debacle, not debacle, but the saga, because the Pac-12 is all about sagas, you know, but like the bad kind, not the Star Wars kind, though the sequels are pretty bad in Star Wars. So the saga of who gets into the Pac-12 championship game because of tiebreakers, that was a word I was searching for a moment ago, the tiebreaker saga is just primed to set itself up again. Because Washington, I believe, goes at Utah. Let me uh, double check that real quick. But Washington is... Uh, no, that game is in Seattle. Sorry. So Utah goes at Washington. Utah hosts Oregon. Utah goes at Oregon State. Oregon goes at Washington. Washington goes at Oregon State. Now, all these teams do not play USC. Washington does. Utah does. Oregon does. But Oregon State does not which is how this can get really, really fun. Oregon State does play UCLA, but they miss USC in this final iteration of the Conference of Champions as we know it. But the other interesting component about those three teams is Washington is second in the preseason media poll, but they received the second most first place votes. So USC got 25, Washington got four, Utah got six, and Oregon got one. And the way that I see this playing out, and I think it's why this season is going to be so wildly fun, is I think USC is the team to beat, and I could readily make the case for any of those next three teams or Oregon State. I don't see UCLA being in the mix here. I I think the other teams are just too good. I could make the case for any of those teams getting to the Pac-12 championship game this year. And it's probably going to come down to what happens in the head-to-head matchups. Oregon, Utah, Washington. If Not not that I am down on the beeves, but let's say it's those three. Whoever goes 2-1 or 3-1, or whoever goes 
2-0 and in those matchups. But then they play Oregon State, too. And Oregon State's probably going to throw uh, you know, a, a wrinkle in there since they play Utah, Oregon, and Washington. So uh, I'll include Oregon State in there. So those four teams, right, who are trying to match up with USC in the Pac-12 championship game, barring a stumble, probably going to come down to who's got the best record against each other. Now, if in Arizona a cow, a Washington state pulls an upset in there, then that can throw a wrench into things. But I think that those three teams, Washington, Utah, and Oregon, I think they're all really close. I think the Pac-12 media members tend to agree with me on that front. And yeah, it's Washington two, Utah three, Oregon four. I don't think the gap between Utah and Washington in there is the same as the gap between USC and Washington in the eyes of media members. That'd just be my guess. That would, that would be my guess, and that's how I see it as well. Is I think there's USC, and then there's not a huge gap. USC is you know the favorite, in my view, to win the conference, but they're not, you know, uh, what's a good example? They're not Clemson in a down ACC. It's not like it's Clemson, and then the second best team is no good, right? Or the Big Ten has the two divisions. One's got Michigan, Ohio State, and the other one does not. It's not that sort of gap to where whoever wins the Michigan-Ohio State game is going to win the Big Ten. I don't think it's like that. But I think USC is the best team here because they have the best player at the most important position and a dynamic, really smart, really capable, championship-winning, by the way, coach in Lincoln Riley. And I think for Utah, Washington, Oregon, and Oregon State, it'll come down to how how they beat each other. That's going to be three games for everybody. Whoever goes 2-1, and one, probably going to have a good chance and could still need help from somebody else depending on how the tiebreakers uh, play out. But man, I can't wait to get to schedule predictions. That is going to be wildly fun. Those start in August, by the way. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. You can't wait. We can't wait for that sort of stuff. Not sure exactly when in August, but I assure you we will definitely, definitely be getting there. So, Let's get to some mailbag stuff. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Lots of mailbag questions in there. Trying to get through them as quickly as I can and as soon as you know they get sent in. But there are a lot of questions in there. But we also have a ways to go before the season starts. I will always answer your question. Nick sent in a question asking about a potential expansion target in Kent State. I will answer any and all questions here on the show. Always have, always will. I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a thought, let me know. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to give it the full run through. And I did. So here's what to know about Kent State. First of all, great mascot. It's hard to come up in 2023 with a unique mascot that nobody else has. They are the golden flashes. It's like a kind of bird, you know, but their logo is cool. I like their color scheme. They're kind of navy blue and gold. I dig it. Their undergraduate undergrad population is pretty low. It's not the biggest school in the world. It's about 20,000. That is higher than SMU, though, whose undergrad is around 12,000. They are an R1 institution. Noteworthy. That's the highest designation you can get for being a research school. They are not an AAU member. They compete in the MAC. If you've ever heard of the term Tuesday night MACtion in college football, this is what we are referring to. The, the schools that they share that conference with are Akron, Bowling Green, Ohio, Miami of Ohio, Ball State, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois, Toledo, and Western Michigan. 
Now, this is where things kind of you know start to go down. Now, they would represent a different time zone, right? They would represent an Eastern expansion for the Pac-12. However, they are not a top target here. They have never ended a college football season in their history ranked in the top 25. Their men's basketball program has made the NCAA tournament several times, but I don't think they've gotten out of the first round before. They did get in last year. They, they've had a good, a good couple of seasons there. But my overall verdict on them would be guilty of being a candidate that can't get in uh, right now. Like I don't think there's any shot here. They haven't ever been mentioned. I don't think they, they compete in a conference that a Power 5 school would consider for expansion there. I think the only two... I want to be sure be sure about this. Big East in basketball could qualify, but again, not having football kind of hurt, hurts them in a major way in that sense. But I think the only conferences where you're going to look to for expansion are the American and the Mountain West. For college football, that's cream of the crop for G5 conferences that you're going to look at and have schools and programs that can actually compete. Kent State's record against real Power 5 schools the last several years, no bueno. Not good. They're getting housed. They're a lot. They, that, that's just not a, not a school, not a program that would bring enough to justify their addition. Now, we're going to talk about another school that you know would also get creamed but might be able to justify it in the pack. I'll get to that in a sec. But I think in order for Kent State to ever be a target, again, the geography is interesting. An R1 school, okay, that's not not someone you can necessarily ignore, but they're a small brand in Ohio. You know, SMU, who's one of the PAC's top targets for expansion right now, they're a small brand in, in Dallas-Fort Worth in that area, which is massive, which is why you can justify it. Kent State in Ohio is a small brand in Ohio, you know? Like, I don't think that's as appealing to, to the Pac-12. So, it, you know, never say never, but this is this is not something that could happen within a reasonable amount of time, shall we say. In 30 years, perhaps. But in the current expansion timeline, no, I don't see it. All right, last question here of the day to wrap up the week of shows from Vince. Just started watching your videos in the last week, and they're great. Thank you, sir. Very well-rounded and holistic takes. Well, this guy likes the show. I very much appreciate that. Can you rate these potential realignment schools for the Pac-12? Air Force, Boise State, Tulane, Rice, UTSA, and North Dakota State. So I'm going to start with my view of how these schools are probably ranked, and then I'll go to the Pac-12's view and how they're probably ranked. In my view, of those schools, right, non-SMU San Diego State targets, uh, most of which, by the way, at one time or another, have been mentioned here on this very show. I would have Boise's the number one. I would have Tulane number two, UTSA three, Rice at number four, North Dakota State at number five. I put Boise number one because if I had my way, the Pac-12 would go to 14 at San Diego State, SMU, Boise, and Fresno. So I would like them right here and now. That's not going to happen. So Boise State would certainly be my number one option there because they'd be among my top options outside of San Diego State and SMU right now. Tulane has got a hot brand right now, finished in the top 10 for the second time in their program's history. They are a school to monitor 
shall we say. Like, watch what they are doing. They are putting some money into facilities. They are a rising brand in the American Conference. They just beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. Like, that's a big, big deal. And the Americans just got gutted. And Tulane could be the team or the brand to kind of take over, be the dominant power there. So I'd put Tulane number two. UTSA that's in the American Conference. Watch to see what they do number three. Again, you bring in the Texas component. I think that has inherent interest for the Pac-12, which is why I have Rice ahead of North Dakota State. But Rice also plays, though very poorly, FBS football. North Dakota State is FCS. So the FCS to FBS jump can happen. James Madison just did it. They went from FCS to FBS and Conference USA. But you have to do that before you can be considered to go to a Power 5 conference. That's just the lay of the land, and I don't disagree with that mentality. You have to show that you can belong in a higher caliber conference, not just be an FCS-dominant program the way North Dakota State is. Now, in the view of the Pac-12, I think they would, you know, their criteria and priorities are different than yours and different than mine. I think their number one option would be Tulane because they have the academics. They're AAU. They're in New Orleans. Their football brand's kind of hot right now. Tulane, I think, would be number one of this group. I think Rice would be number two because they're in the state of Texas. Houston is where Rice University is located. And they are—they would be the Northwestern of the Pac-12. They would be a premier, elite, top-shelf academic institution. And frankly, of all these targets, though it's to my chagrin, I could even see the Pac-12 prioritizing Rice over Tulane. Their academics are that good, and we know the Pac-12 cares about that a great deal. I would imagine amongst this group, UTSA might even be above Boise. It's hard to know, but UTSA is an R1 institution. So they they are heavily into the research space, which we know the Pac-12 values, and Boise State is just not right now. So I think the Pac-12 would see it as UTSA over Boise and North Dakota State again last because of the FCS factor. So my ranking of those five schools, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot to put Air Force in there. So I, I, I apologize for that. I, that was just an oversight in my notes. But I think in, in my view, I would put Air Force as above UTSA and below Tulane. So my six schools would go Boise, Tulane, Air Force, UTSA, Rice, North Dakota State. I think in the view of the Pac-12, they would go Tulane, Rice, maybe 1A, 1B. I think Air Force might be third. Now, having the government involved there could be kind of tricky. They might not want to deal with that, which would be understandable. But I would think they'd be a more likely target, given they play in the Mountain West, than UTSA that's just now joining the American and has been in Conference USA. So I I would say the Pac-12 would probably go Tulane, Rice, Air Force, UTSA, Boise, the North Dakota State. I would rank those candidates as... Uh, Boise, Tulane, Air Force, UTSA, Rice, and North Dakota State. Great question. Can't wait to see what happens at media dates. Hopefully we get a deal soon, but, you know, I'm not counting on it. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a great weekend, and until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.